read our scripture, I want to say just a quick word about our guest preacher for today, uh, Jen Lucas. She told me not to introduce her, because um, you already know her. She served here uh, for several years. But um, I do want to mention a few of her distinctions. Um, one thing is that she attended seminary with yours truly. Um, Another is that uh, during the ordination process, she went through a supervised years group with yours truly. <laughs> Another thing, she uh, served at Church of the Savior with yours truly. So it's quite a distinguished career that you have had, Pastor Jen. <laughs> and we are so glad to have you here with us today. Our scripture reading is from the book of Exodus from chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, of Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from the disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Amen. Thank you um, for that introduction. <laughs> didn't, I didn't realize how promising. Well, good morning. I am Jen Lucas, uh, your district superintendent, and it is a privilege to be here before you today to worship with you, uh, to lift up our voices in song. Thank you to the worship team for a great uh, opening morning of worship. Thank you for blessing us with that. Won't you pray with me? 
Oh, Heavenly Father, be with us in this moment that we might receive your word, that we might hear your voice, and we might be moved to walk deeper with you. Lord, help us to remove all that we brought into this space so that we are just here with you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. A word I bring to you today is this word liminality. Liminality is this state of transition between one stage to the next. The concept of liminality was developed or is used most often in the science of anthropology, the study of human origins or behavior or cultures. In a general sense, liminality is an in-between period, and it's typically marked by uncertainty. Now, sometimes we can describe the space between being in and out as liminal space. Liminal space is also this transition between where we were and where we are going. Now, some examples of physical liminal spaces, we're in them all the time. Whether it is walking down a hallway from one room to the next, or we are in an airport, or we are in a doorway, or over a bridge. These are physical liminal spaces. Now, some examples of emotional liminal spaces. Things like divorce. Things like the birth of a, of a child, the death of a loved one. Moving is an emotional liminal space. Graduations, illness, marriage. If we have lived for any sense of time, we have all experienced or have walked through these times of transition. This space in time, these thresholds, are a part of life. And we can sometimes be prepared for them. We know they are, they are coming. Sometimes they smack us out of the blue and we didn't see it coming. But no matter the journey, it can turn us upside down or it can bring on a swirl of emotions, of feeling uncertain, times of fear unrest. It can be disorienting. You know, we used to be in school and now we have to get that real job, right? Been single for 35 years and now I'm married. It used to be a couple, just the two of us, for five years and now we have this little one, a family of three. Worked all those years, and now we are figuring out a new rhythm, a new pace in retirement. <clears throat> Been healthy my whole life. And now I'm seeing doctor after doctor, test after test. This used to be a space full, full of life. Transitions have caused us to have to relook at church. We used to have healthy parents, 
And now we're dealing with challenges. See, these liminal seasons come to all of us and can bring a lot of anxiety, stress, and concern. And we try to take them in stride, and we try to adjust, we try to figure it out. But they can be difficult. And how do we respond in these times of transition? Imagine for 400 years, you knew what to expect in life. Because your, grandparents, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, they all told you how life was living as a slave in Egypt. You understood what life was like. You knew what to expect. You knew how to live as a slave. But now, but now you are free. And you are out in the wilderness wandering. And where we pick up our story today in Exodus 32, the Hebrew people have been wandering now for some time. Moses has been their physical leader, the person that has been guiding them out of slavery through the Red Sea, and now they are making their way toward the Promised Land. So they've had their eyes fixed on Moses as the one that was going to get them from point A to point B. But there were a lot of unknowns here. This was certainly a time of transition and uncertainty. Where is our food going to come from? Where are we laying our head tonight? Where are we even going? How will we know when we get there? What will be expected of us when we get there? What will we be required to do? But here's something to know. Because a few chapters before the text that Pastor Andy read there was this amazing scene that happened on Mount Sinai where God spoke to them and, and sent them a very clear message. He said to the Hebrew people, he said to them, hey, I am going to be your God. I will be your God and you will be my people. God said, I promise I am going to protect you. I am going to care for you. I am going to give you exactly what you need. And you're going to be known as mine. Then God gives them some commandments, right? These commandments. And these commandments were how they were to live as a liberated nation. But see, what was, what was key is, hey, your way of life, living with me as your one true God, knowing that I'm going to protect you, what, what this is going to tell the world is what a life with God looks like. So that was all set up for them. They knew this. But then we get to this point in the story. Though they had been given all their instructions, though they were witnessing the power of God, they still had this physical leader, Moses. But now where we pick up today, Moses has been gone. He's been gone. He didn't just go on a day hike. No, he's been gone for 40 days. And people are like, what? what's going on? They start to begin to wonder. They're in this liminal space. They're feeling unsettled. They're not sure of things. Because their main link to God was absent. What do you do 
when you feel absent from God or you feel that God is not responding? How do you act when you don't see in front of you the movement of God? When you struggle to understand, man, what is happening? What is going on? And how are we to handle this? When you struggle in those situations, where do you turn? Remember, it wasn't that long ago for these people that God said to them, you are my people. I promise to protect you. I promise just lean into me and trust me. You are my people. I've got this for you. But see, when we are in these times of transition, we start looking for the quick fixes. We start reaching for anything that's going to help calm us. What do you reach for? When, when life is unsettled or it is just pouring down rain and you can't see light through the darkness, what's your first thing that you grab? Who's the first person you call? Where do you turn? Is it unhealthy behavior? Is it shopping online to fi fix something quickly? I just feel better about that. Is it food? In the absence of God, we start finding and searching for those many deities to take the place of God. See, this crowd, they quickly turned. They turned. They turned on Moses. They turned on God. They had no idea when he was coming back. And this really causes me to pause as I read this portion of the scripture. Because I really am in awe of this because I see so much of, of what they did happening in my own personal life. I mean, they really did witness so many miraculous things. They were enslaved for 400 years. And they witnessed God bring them out of slavery, parting a Red Sea. They were able to run through. They saw the Pharaoh's armies just being taken over. Manna from heaven came down for them. Water poured out of a rock. So when God said, believe in me and follow me and I'm going to take care of you, I just, I just want you to turn to the one true God. I just want you to be my people. After everything they had experienced and watched, it astounds me how quickly they forgot. How quickly they forgot to turn and to lean in to God and to trust. How quickly do we turn away? How quickly do we forget to walk by faith even when we don't see? Even when we don't understand. Even when we cry out and cry out and cry out. God, are you even listening to our prayers? We say, well, I must not be here. And we turn. And so Aaron, the brother of Moses, he steps in and he's, I'm sure, trying to figure this out. And he's like, well, let's go back to what we know. So bring me your gold. Bring me all your jewels. And somehow in the middle of the wilderness, he creates this golden calf. Poof. There it is. 
And they have this golden calf now in their hands, something that they can see and hold up, and they, they begin to cheer, and they begin to party, and they begin to, to rejoice because, ah, now we have something that's going to get us through. Now we have a fix to take away our anxiety or our fears. When they should have leaned into prayer, they put a golden calf. When they should have leaned into each other and serving one another, they turned to a calf. When they should have turned to worship and giving thanks and praise, they turned to a calf. When they should have trusted, they turned to a calf. Psalm 106 tells us that they didn't just make an idol and have a party. No, Psalm 106 says they forgot God. They forgot their Savior who had done great things in Egypt. In times of transition, we can form and find and cling to a lot of deities, can we not? Moments of doubt and transition can disrupt us so that we stop walking in faith. We forget God's love. If we cannot feel his presence or see it happening right before our eyes, we find ourselves lost and confused and we start reaching for anything that will make us feel better. God even said to Moses, man, your people have acted perversely. What might God be saying to us from time to time? What might God point out and say, there's your calf. That's what you really grab for first. That's where you really turn when things get unsettled for you, that's really your go-to. See, from Genesis to Revelation, time and time again, we are shown and taught that we are to turn to God first, to love God with every fiber of our beings and, and to then turn that outward, to love God and then love outward, to serve, to care for others. There is sacrifice in serving the one true God. We are called and challenged to be faithful to God in good times and in the difficult seasons. We are asked to lean on God's steadfast love and faithfulness. So I think today is a great day for us to start taking stock of some of our transitions it's time for us to assess how are we doing within this season of our lives. We've been through a lot. It has not been easy walking as a faithful follower. And as we see in our story today, there is real temptation to give our hearts and our devotion to something other than God. The people, they were waiting. They were waiting for God to wow them. Sometimes God comes to us in the stillness, in the void. They wanted something miraculous. God was there. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, warned people against idolatry. 
urge them to stay faithful to God's commandments. For Wesley, he emphasized the importance of a personal and heartfelt relationship with God. He encouraged people to focus on God as the ultimate source of love and grace and guidance rather than putting their trust and their devotion into other things or possessions or false gods, things that will wither away. He taught that idolatry can take on many forms, not just the worship of physical idols, sometimes our attitudes. Sometimes it is something physical. Sometimes it's just a lack of discipline and that regular rhythm of prayer and worship and study and service. I take a look at my calendar often, and I see the days that are filled. And I strive to be a really good mom, a good wife, a good pastor, but my days can be filled with so many good things that when I really sit back and take stock, wow, God, man, you might be third today, maybe fourth. Many gods are sliding them way, them way, their, themselves in, and I'm forgetting about my relationship with you. I do not think that any of us are tempted to dance around a golden calf today. I mean, that would be weird, but, but the temptation is there. There are so many temptations that want to lure us away from how we are to live and walk. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Being a follower of Christ is not easy. As a disciple, we are to live, you know, as, as, as a grace-filled Jesus follower, and we are to put our faith in action. Sometimes that action is recognizing being still with God. In the unknowns and in the times of uncertainty, it is falling to our knees first and foremost. It is being active in worship and being able to lift up our hands in praise. It is getting eyeball to eyeball with other fellow faith followers and, 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 and Jesus lovers and, and, and holding each other accountable to the many gods in our lives. Friends, we cannot always change the circumstances that surround us. Transitions are constant and they are a reality of living. But through all of our thresholds, there is one constant that never leaves us. And through all of these transitions and thresholds, we can make one choice and only one choice that will bring us hope that will poke holes in our darkness, that can offer resurrection, that can show us new life, that can bring transformation, that can offer eternal promise. The Lord requires us, ask us to be in relationship with him. All my prayer and praise today 
is that we take stock of our lives. Identify the many gods, the many deities, the things that we grab first and say, you know what? I'm moving those aside. I'm placing God here. I'm leaning in to my faith. And I'm walking as a faithful follower of him. My prayer for you today is that you'll have one less deity. And God will take that center stage of your life. Won't you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, may we... We recommit our lives today to trusting and to serving you and you only. Lord, you call us to love you first and foremost with our whole being. And oftentimes, Lord, our whole being, we start to to divide it up amongst the world. And then we're left forgetting to first turn to you. So, Lord, may we find our hope only in you this day. May we recognize that even when we feel that that you are distant, that doesn't mean you are absent. You are the one true constant in our hearts, in our minds. And so, Lord, help us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, may we bow our head in prayer and thanksgiving pour it out before you. Help us, Lord, to not be worshiping the things of the world, but to worship just you. It is in all of these things that we lay them before you, Lord, and we seek your blessing this day. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. It has been an honor to be with you today, and I pray that as you leave these doors, that you go out into the world and you are walking as a faithful follower of him, and so that when the world comes face to face with you, they know that you are different because of your love of our Lord and Savior and how you love him and how you love them. God bless you and go in peace. Amen. Here I go.